Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the pod where we chat, argue, and wax poetic about the movies that we love, hate, or that are simply worth talking about. All movies have something to say, and we enjoy trying to analyze what they capture. Welcome to The Shatter After. How is everybody doing out there? My name is Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet fan here, and I am excited to be back in this table to talk movies and the things that we love and analyze it with people that love it or hate it as much as I do, because that's what The Shatter After is about. Um, it's been a while since we've recorded an episode of this particular podcast, and with a fantastic sequel for a video game that I love coming up, in this video game being known for its cinematic take on storytelling for a video game, I thought it was perfect to, to take the time for this episode to talk about this game. Talk about a game that is like literally playing a movie, playing its characters, and, and that you can e- it's one of those games that you can easily just put on all the cutscenes without the gameplay, and it would be, be perfectly considered as a film, a film that challenges you emotionally, a film that makes you ask yourself certain questions as you look at the characters and identify with them. This particular game has shaped the game industry in a very particular way, and I'm glad that I finally get a chance to talk about this game with other people. And this game is none other than The Last of Us. Um, The Last of Us was originally released on 2013 towards the end of the PS3's lifespan. Um, It was remastered in 2014 with the release of the PS4 um, and has become one of the greatest and most most biggest selling game in the PS3 and PS4's lifetime. Um, PlayStation, I would say, even. Um, but I'm not going to just be monologuing about this game by myself. I have invited some very good friends of mine that have played the game and have experienced what it is to experience The Last of Us. And I have my first guest is Brett, the music man, Miro. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I am so pumped to geek out about this game with all you guys right now. So thank you for asking me. Nice. I got Michael, the novice Thomas. Hey, thanks for having me. Enjoy being here talking to you guys about The Last of Us. It's going to be great. Rob, the VA hustler, Moreira. You already know your boy is here in the house. Let's do this. Nice. And John, the buff, Matthews. What's up, man? What's up? Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Awesome. So the awesome thing about The Last of Us is that because it's a game, the only real way to experience it is by playing it. And I think that's the one thing that we all have in common. We've all played this game once, twice, maybe three or four times, maybe once a year. Some people have a game in their library that they religiously revisit once a year. I'm not saying that that's the case for me with The Last of Us, but we all have that one game that if we start playing it, we're just going to keep playing it till we finish it. I know The Last of Us is one of those games for me. Um, I've actually personally played it four times <laughs> and and it was one of those games that I was originally going to dismiss because I didn't know anything about it um, when I when I first heard of The Last of Us was because I bought my wife got me for my birthday a PS3 bundle with the game but I ignored it because I wanted to play Metal Gear <laughs> and I didn't know what it was about or how important it was because I was really disconnected from all the video game landscape for years but I don't want to just talk about myself let's talk to you guys um, let's start with you, Mike. Mike, when did you first 
find out about this game? When did you first play it? Um, how did you encounter The Last of Us? So The Last of Us is the last game I bought on my PlayStation 3, which sadly died halfway through my playthrough. What? The last oh, of us. oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it was pretty bad, but I got the PS4, so you know what the first game I got for PS4 was The Last of Us Remastered. Right. And this was, what, 2014? So I was 17 at the time or so. This game scared me, but I knew it was so good that I just played through it anyway, even though I'm, like, cringing, looking through mm-hmm. my looking through my hands <laughs> <laughs> during the cutscenes and the cinematics. But over time, I learned to really appreciate The Last of Us because it is truly one of the best games I've ever played, one of the best stories I've ever played. One of my favorite stories in any medium, not just video games, too. So... I just love everything about it, and I can't wait for The Last of Us Part Two. Nice, Rob. What's your take? Um. Well, I mean, I usually tend to keep a pretty firm thumb on the pulse of games, so I knew about the game through its development before it came out. So it was a game that I was anticipating at the time. Um, I mean, if we want to age ourselves. Um, you know, back then I was older than 17, so we'll leave it that. <laughs> I was older than that, but anyway, um, <laughs> I was well, I was well within my 30s, but um, uh, yeah, so when the game came out, um, it was obviously an instant purchase, I had to get it, um, and it was, I mean, it, it definitely. I try to go into games semi-apprehensive because, you know, they're always going to show you the goody bits. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was expecting. I was like, all right, the game looks good, but, you know, I let the game wow me. I try not to get too sold on what they want to show me. And then I played through it, and I was just like, well, damn. All right, cool. So they they basically, you know, they took Resident Evil and made you care about people, which was kind of cool. I actually really liked that. Um, cause in Resident Evil, you're just like, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, go around, kill zombies and fuck shit up while, you know, this one, it was like, nah, I kind of care about what's happening right now. Um, I, I care about this other character, kind of like the way, uh, you feel for Clem in the, uh, Walking Dead Telltale, uh, series. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you really care about that, that other character that, you know, you have no control over, but you, you, as they do such a great job of making you, um, you know, through the story and the actions and the choices that they force you to make, you 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 grow an attachment to this character. And and they, I mean, with that, I mean, I think they 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 really knocked it out of the park. Sweet, sweet. What you got for us, John? Yeah. So I, <clears throat> the PlayStation Four was the first PlayStation console I ever owned. Um, so obviously, I didn't have it. Uh, the Last of Us when it was back on the PS3. It was a game that I heard really great things about. Um, it was a game that I, um, you know, was like, hey, if I had a PlayStation 3, I would get this because I've heard such great things. It looks right up my alley. Um, so once they did remaster it for the PlayStation 4, um, I, I bought it. And um, once I had finished it, I knew that it was one of the best games that I've ever played. And uh, kind of over time, I've come to realize that I think it maybe is the best game I've ever, ever played. Um, 
I can kind of discuss a little bit more as to why I feel that way, but uh, later. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's uh, it was very much uh, worth the hype that uh, I had heard. It very much lived up to it. How many times have you played it? I played it once, and it still ha- and it still leaves that lasting impression on you. It does. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty awesome, yeah. Mr. Miro. Yeah, so uh, actually I, like John, um, did not uh, ever own a PlayStation console until the PS4. And even that I did not buy, uh, you know, in 2013 when they first launched. I jumped on that, I think, in summer of 2015 to play Arkham Knight. Um, nice. And I, uh, so, you know, I'm a big Nintendo fan. I always do have my my finger on the pulse of video games. But um, so I was aware of Last of Us, but I wasn't like, you know, really following it that much. I looked at some videos, saw some screenshots. I was like, this looks really cool. But I was like, I have a Nintendo console, so like I'm not going to waste my time <laughs> looking at it because I, I can't afford it. I'm not going to play it. So so anyway, so fast forward 2015, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm taking the dive. I need to get a PS4 because I want to play Arkham Knight and, you know, whatever. And the, at the time, they had the bundle that came with The Last of Us Remastered. So I picked that up. Um, I picked up uh, Dying Light as well because I really wanted to play that. And I was a big fan of Dead Island. Um, and it was like the spiritual successor to that. Uh, and then I had Arkham Knight. And I, I think I might have got, what was it, uh, Shadow of Mordor. But I didn't, I didn't like it. I wasn't feeling that game. But anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> so the whole story is like I get the I get that I have the Last of Us remastered. I, I probably downloaded it, but then I didn't touch it because I was playing all these other games. And then um, the uh, Uncharted Four trailers started coming out, and I was like, "Wow, I got to play this Uncharted series." And at the same time, they announced that they were going to do the Uncharted collection. So this was my first dive into Naughty Dog games at all, uh, you know, altogether. Um, so for me, I was just like, you know, I'm going to love this stuff. So like, I, I've heard so many good things. So actually, when I played The Last of Us, if I'm not mistaken, I had just plowed through Uncharted 1, 2, and 3, back to back to back, if I'm remembering <laughs> correctly, and then immediately went into The Last of Us. So like, uh, in a way, I was maybe a little drained just because it's the gameplay is very similar from, you know, Uncharted uh, mm-hmm. game to game to game. But, you know, obviously the story is very different. So I'm just coming off of a Naughty Dog Bender. I start this Last of Us game, <laughs> and oh my god, I mean, that game still, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get into, you know, a little more detail, so like, you know, there's definitely some things that I think don't hold up as well, or that even at the time, I was kind of like, eh, okay, but um, as far as the story goes, I just don't think anything tops it. Uh, uh, I mean, I was just absolutely stunned, um, and I'm, I know we'll get into, like, the ending, which is, like, one of the most talked about things, but yep. that that uh, jacked me up for, for a while. I mean, I remember, like, a good two, three weeks after I beat the game, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, every free moment, I was just thinking about, like, what just happened. It absolutely blew my mind, and uh, only, a, a, you know, a, maybe a few other games have ever done that in my entire life, and I'm, I'm a lifelong gamer, um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, my first experience was, like, this is, this is some top-notch shit like this is what video games (laughs) this is what video games can can be this is what video games can aspire to be and oh my god the future is so bright that's really what that game left me with (laughs) yeah i love how um you were mentioning uncharted that's really the only reason i bought the last of us because as john knows from our podcast i'm not into horror (laughs) don't play horror games don't watch horror movies Walking Dead or Resident Evil, stuff like that. But playing the Uncharted series and then seeing this is Naughty Dog's next project, 
I swallowed my I don't like horror <laughs> doubt. And I'm like, I'm just going to go with it because I love these other three. Yeah, you just trusted the studio. You followed the studio and you said, I'm with them, whatever they do next, <laughs> whatever it, it is. It's like, exactly. And they haven't failed me yet. <laughs> yeah, they've earned a lot of goodwill. I mean, let's 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 yeah. face it. Right. See, it's kind of funny because I've been I've been an early adopter of Sony. Basically, I've owned I've owned most every system in existence besides like the Dreamcast, but I've owned almost all of them at some point in my life. So I've 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 played the original PlayStation. I love my original PlayStation too. But what's funny for me is that for you guys, you were kind of like, oh, you know, Uncharted and Naughty Dog, and let's see what let's see what this next thing is. While for me, I was like. Hold on. This game was made by the Crash Bandicoot guys? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's where I'm coming from. And the thing is, I'm a huge Crash Bandicoot fan. Like, I love Crash Bandicoot. I even bought the remastered versions because I just wanted to play them again. I think they're just kooky games and super amazing platforming. Though sometimes terribly frustrating. But it's it's fun regardless. So to me, I was like, it's like basically you know the 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 you know the developers that made mario like the like whatever whoever those nintendo guys were you know venturing out and being like yeah so you know we made resident evil like that's basically what this the, what this right. was for me i'm like <laughs> right what that's weird that's a hell of a 180 but yeah all right i'm down for it and <laughs> yo uh, they they they've been killing it naughty dog is they they they're slaying it right now yeah, I actually played Last of Us before any of the Uncharted games. Um, at the time, I knew I wanted to play the Uncharted games, but uh, after I finished Last of Us and realized that it was from the that Uncharted was from the same company, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely playing Uncharted now. <laughs> so it was the same but reversed. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, reversing yeah. the games. <laughs> that's funny. That's and that's something that's very particular. That's how you know that. Um, this studio is, has something special, has a, mm -hmm. has a voice. You know what I mean? That whenever you see that logo, you want to see what they're bringing to the table. And, and, and I find, and it's funny because um, I'm pretty confident I played The Last of Us before I play any of the Uncharted games. But knowing that A Thief's End was coming and that I was going to get probably a PS4 with that edition very soon, I started playing the, the Uncharted games. And, and nobody, can, nobody can deny the dynamic storytelling on these games like not if naughty dog stands out is by telling stories in a very interactive manner but also in a very cinematic manner and i like how they have explored multiple palettes multiple tones at, because throughout the uncharted series there's multiple changes in tone and style and then the last of us is just something else dramatically different which mm -hmm. which makes us think what else could they explore um, with this, with the same technology, with the same tools that they have. I mean, this is this is a studio that throughout the years have developed a hell of a toolkit, yeah. and and it's and it's just amazing that it's coming to a head for now with the next Last of Us chapter. What so. I like too, not to cut you off, Brandon, but what I what I really enjoy is like the the in, the interesting way how they kind of make you really enjoy the game because. Uncharted and, and Last of Us, they, they do it in, in such different ways because, like, in The Last of Us, you really care for these characters in Correct. the way that they're suffering and the way that they're, you know, what their circumstances are and the things that they're growing, going through. Like, you really, 
like you almost feel protective of these characters that you are playing as to, you know, to mm-hmm. a capacity. Like I'm going to get these guys through. I'm going to get, I'm going to make sure Joel and Ellie make it out of this. Like I, I got, while in uncharted Nathan is just so unbelievably charming as a character that it's not yes. that you care for him as much as he's kind of like, Hey guys, I'm going on this crazy adventure and I really think you should follow me. And you're kind of like, fuck yeah, you're a cool dude. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So it's almost like you become a friend of his as opposed to being like, you're that friend of his that you're just like, dude, what are you doing? But all right, let's keep going. While in The Last of Us, you're like this protector that you're trying to get these two characters through something. So I think that's pretty amazing because, you know, it shows that Naughty Dog's not a one trick pony in terms of their storytelling, which I really appreciate. Well, Rob, they're they're not a, they're not ponies. They're they're a dog. Oh boy! <laughs> well, you know what? And there Rob? goes Brett's dad joke of the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get out of the way early. <laughs> now, I am gonna say this, Rob. With what you just described, it made me think about something very particular that I think is what stands, what makes Naughty Dog stand apart, or what makes a lot of PlayStation titles stand apart is that a lot of these exclusive are very story-driven because if you talk about PlayStation exclusive, you talked The Last of Us, you talked about, for example, Final Fantasy series, or mo- some Horizon of them that are Persona 5, Horizon Zero Dawn. Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man is that, in a way, good storytellers in video games find a way to give the player a role within right. the story. Yes, 100%. And and this is one of those games that exp- I want. I, it might not be the best word, but exploits that or or nurtures that more than others, because you're not just controlling these characters in these hard situations. When you understand that you're making decisions for the characters, you question yourself the decisions that you're making, mm. and, and it makes you que- it makes you start that internal monologue, which is very interesting because I was reading an article from Wired in regards to The Last of Us Part Two and everything. And one of the things that Neil Druckmann says is that they, they're going, they create scenes, they create dialogue, they create um, gameplay moments to allow, the, the, allow you as a player to understand and feel what the character is feeling and then have that affect you. You know, like anything, like when you read a good book, when you watch a good movie, it strikes a chord with you, whether in laughter, whether in tears, whether in pain, whether in confusing confusion. It strikes a chord with you internally. Like it leaves an effect. And this is one of those cases that definitely does that. And most great PlayStation titles strike a chord with you, whether it's Horizon's sense of adventure, whether it's Persona's questions of morality and power and stuff like that. That, I mean, you guys just saw the PlayStation conference, right? Right, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Kind of just going right off the heels of that, pretty much. Yeah, so isn't it amazing that they they literally stuck their guns and say, "We know what we produce," and they just it was just a gameplay or just a a video of pe- literally almost people not talking. Like I was expecting something similar to the technical demo where they would talk about the console and stuff like that. They didn't do that. They said, "Hey, there's a console, and these are all the games that we're making for you guys." Well, this is, they're like, this is the reason to plunk down, you know, what we assume is going to be $500, $600 this holiday season, because we have this stuff in production and, or we're going to be launching, you know, with, you know, these games at this quality. 
Um, right. Yeah, they have to they have to make a make a, a you know a, what do you call it like um a cost like proposition a value proposition to you like mm-hmm. why should you drop more money you know at, at the end of this year when you still have your maybe just upgraded to your PS4 Pro like I did like I don't know what a year and a half two years ago and yeah. you know I'm I'm not necessarily eager to drop another five hundred six hundred dollars mm-hmm. I mean Last of Us is coming to PS4 so I'm able to play that um, you know a lot of stuff is going to come out still cross gen for a little bit um, they're expecting this to be a slow slower like um, adoption rate for the next gen. So yeah, they, but today they were, they, they kind of, they nudged me a little bit. I was like, okay, yeah. maybe, maybe I do need to get yes. on sooner than later. And, and so it they, they did what they needed that, to do. Yeah. The beauty of that conference though, is that all those games, it says like launching in 2020 or 2021, you didn't have games coming out in five years, four years or whatever. Yes. It's like, you can buy your PS five, this fall this holiday season and most of these games you'll be able to get within the next year yeah feel confident that you're gonna have like a steady flow of like of content yeah yeah um that's what you need to do you need to come out of the gate like that you know microsoft's supposed to show up right in july or whatever i know this is like now turning into like you know (laughs) consoles um (laughs) but um, yeah i'm just saying in in general like they 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 need to make that value proposition i don't know if xbox has really has really done that yet but sony knows how to take their uh you know their their horse for a walk you know in front of the crowd yep. and really show them like they, they they they're good at that they know and i thought it was like paced very well they they placed everything at the right moment um it was it was good and they had a nice mix of like you know in you know like a, a indie kind of like little things and they had uh some obviously large scale games and like huge sequels and and yeah that's not everything you know we didn't see anything from god of war you know obviously that's definitely in development um so you know that's like on the on the horizon (laughs) no pun intended Uh, but you know that's also like that's still in the back pocket you know what i mean like and i'm sure listen you're gonna get last of us ported over there let's face it you're going to get ghost of tsushima ported over there um you you know what i mean like i I wouldn't be surprised if uh oh no for sure red dead's gonna get ported over red dead 2 i mean so like just think about that uh they're gonna have plenty of content. They're gonna have Skyrim too. Oh, Skyrim's not comes out on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Skyrim is actually coming out on Samsung Watch next month, so <laughs> so it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're putting it in a, in in your girlfriends and wives now too. So Skyrim's coming to <laughs> girlfriends. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful Coming Fortnite. to Girlfriends 2021, Skyrim. <laughs> You're like, I don't even understand that. They're like, don't worry about it. Buy it. We'll all buy it. <laughs> now, I, I want to I go into something that Mike said a little bit ago, that, that I, I'm in the same boat as him. And it's when it comes to video games or when it comes to any kind of medium, I, I don't like scary stuff. Um not because I'm not brave, it's just that I'm a little bitch. But um, <laughs> but I don't like I don't like scary stuff. Like I, I run away most of the times when I watch something zombie related stuff like that is because I want to see what it has to offer. Um, it be beyond the gore or anything like that. Now, and that's kind of what motivated me to try and play The Last of Us. It came with my PlayStation Three. I I I haven't played it. It's supposed to be something interesting, but I know it's going to be scary, so I don't want to play it. But then when you have a game that has gameplay where you're literally fighting for your life, you're counting every bullet, you're counting every shiv, you're running from every clicker, you're hiding, you're listening, that has you tense up. The fact that the story is, the story is so good 
that allows you to suffer through what scares you, that's not easy to do. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like the fact that you're able to 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 move forward because you want to see where this plays out, where these characters are going, um, and if it's worth the trip that you're taking with them. And then finding out that even if at the end nothing ended how you wanted, and even though it hurts that it ended, you're satisfied because of the journey. The fact that these 10 to 20 hours that you spent with these characters meant something which is which is very hard to do especially in in games nowadays where a lot of them um not 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 a lot of games focus on story as much as these games probably do um and for example i'm a big destiny guy so i play a lot of a lot of times when i play it is because i have 30 minutes before i go to bed and just want to do something real quick and go you know what i mean it's not something that requires an investment from all my senses this is the kind of game and experience that does that and I think most good art does. Um, now, I wanted to ask you, do any of you guys have a favorite scene or favorite moment of the game? I absolutely do, but I'll let the others go first. What do you guys got? Mike, what do you got? Ooh, it's hard to nail down one moment because I'm going to be honest, I love every moment. <laughs> but... Um, one moment that always hits me is the beginning, like the prologue with Joel. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that one gets me every time. And I recently played maybe two weeks ago. And I forgot like I legit forgot that was even a part of the game. I haven't played since like twenty sixteen or so. Mm-hmm. And I was an emotional wreck within like the first thirty minutes of yeah. this game. Yeah. And it's like Stop crying, Mike. You already know what the story is. You've beaten this before. <laughs> and you know what? And you know what? You want to hear something interesting, though. Um, if you guys haven't never had a chance to watch the the, the video, there's a U- the documentary of the making of The Last of Us is on YouTube. It's called Grounded. It's a very interesting watch. And one of the things that that I was able to find out was that that whole sequence of the beginning with Sarah and Joel. That was something that they came up at the end of production. That wasn't the original way the game was supposed to start. Interesting. So that's one of those things that makes me go like, huh. That's so so, like they're actively creating, finding ways. And that's and and I think them starting from Sarah's perspective, um, it's a surprise already because who you see in the front of the of, of the game, you see Ellie and then you see Joel. You have no idea who the Sarah person is. Joel doesn't look at the person, so everything just catches you by surprise, like any good story does. As many people consider to be unforgettable. Have you recently? So, um, anybody got anything else? John, what you got? This is gonna be a strange choice. Um, I haven't played the game in a couple of years, so my memory is a little bit fuzzy. But this will be a strange choice in terms of my favorite scene. Or one of my favorite scenes, and uh, no, my favorite, uh, my favorite part is probably again strange pick. Uh, it's when uh, David is gone when we take care of David. <laughs> I I hated that guy. He's a creepy son of a bitch. Um, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Like I understand what happened to him. He's just trying to survive, and that's his idea of surviving. But he is evil scum, 
and I was so glad when <laughs> Ellie took care of him. It's kind of a tragic moment because Ellie doesn't, uh, she feels bad for killing someone. She doesn't, you know, she feels um, remorse for that, but it's what she had to do. And when uh, she gets rid of that guy and, you know, he's not going to be bothering her anymore, threatening her anymore, uh, I felt that was a very satisfying moment. Especially the moment where you see the idea of someone so young unloading Mm -hmm. this pain on this person and you see the effect and understanding even and and those are the kind of moments where you forget that it's a game. Yeah. I mean, it is an actress doing this because Ashley Johnson, Troy Baker, all these guys, Nolan North as Nolan North as David, like all these guys are amazing in everything they do. And I like how Naughty Dog is able to bring that performance out with with everything that they do at their studios. Um, that's a cool choice. That's a cool choice. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Stupid cannibalistic bastard. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole, honestly, in general, like that that whole winter section of the game is just like unbelievable. Like that that whole section is, is like a standout, you know, uh, for mm-hmm. me. Just like, because, you know, you have that cliffhanger right before, you know, when yeah. Joel falls on the rebar and then you're like, what happened? And then in the beginning, you just, with Ellie and you're like, oh my God, did they just kill Joel off? And it's mm-hmm. not until she asks, you know, she runs into David and the other guy, and she and and uh, she says, "I want medicine." And then you go, "Oh, he's still alive," you know, like, yeah, like, uh, like so that 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 way that whole thing is done and and uh, is yeah, really good. That's a good. That's and a good of course, thing. and of course, when we first are introduced to David, he seems like a good enough guy and everything, but he shows us right. two colors later on. Yep. And it's funny. It's like everyone, and it's funny because throughout the whole game. Everyone that you've met, you know, is a piece of shit. So the way that he plays the role of David allows you to not think of him as that first. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And and it's funny because it it kind of it kind of shows us that a lot of human beings are gullible. You know what it is too, though. I feel like it's like you see you run into them, and then like the first encounter goes like okay, and then you're like. They, it's almost like they try to like give you like a break. You're like, finally, I'm getting a break. You know, Joel's hurt. All this bad stuff's been happening. Like, finally, like a reprieve. And then the, you know, then the game just like, oh no, we're kidding. It's really bad. It's really bad now. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my god. Like, it, it really it plays with you. Like, it really plays yeah. mind games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And part of what makes that encounter, that final encounter with David, so engaging is because. Of the cliffhanger with Joel. Like, all this time has passed. You don't know how long Ellie's been by herself. Having to try and take care of Joel. Having to find medicine. To try and keep him alive. So it's like, when she unloads on David, you just feel all the stress. And all the anger and rage that she has right now in that moment. So when Joel shows up, you breathe. (laughs) Right. Right. Thank God they're finally back together. No, and the way that they add the tension is with... Because remember, when you're having this whole sequence with David, it's going between you playing as Ellie and you going through the snowstorm with Joel. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. switching into those two where you have these two desperate characters. These two characters are tense and desperate to find each other or to, or to get out of this situation. That it just continues to build and build until we all literally unload with, with Ellie with what's going on, with, with that anger, with that necessity to survive it's see these are the rile up things that this game does you know we should ban this game no <laughs> it's gonna rile up the youngins <laughs> um 
So, so Brett, you mentioned that you really enjoyed the winter, but is that like is that your favorite section or your favorite is your favorite scene here? Uh, yeah, no, it's not my favorite. It's definitely like, a st- like I said, a standout moment. Um, I probably I'm gonna like maybe cheat and maybe try to sneak an extra one in here, but one of them, and I think this is probably a lot of people will feel this is the uh, the giraffe scene. Yeah. Um, when awesome. they look out the window and you see the giraffes walking by and it's like, mm-hmm. that's finally when the game gives you like, throws you a bone and it's like, okay, here's a moment of beauty, you know, like mm-hmm. you've earned it up to this point. <laughs> you know, what I mean? <laughs> Like it is, it's like, it's like, it's like, if I remember correctly, I haven't, so I haven't played it actually since I first played it. Cause it's been like sacred to me and I just haven't like, mm-hmm. I kind of want to go through it again, but I was thinking of maybe trying to like rope my, my fiance into playing it. Cause I've told her about it, but she's never like experienced the whole thing. And it's just like, uh, we could do it on like little baby story mode. I think they have that. And then like, you could just like, kind of like coast through it. Little baby, <laughs> little baby story <laughs> mode. Um, but yeah, like that, that moment with the giraffes is a, uh, is a definitely a standout. Um, that's right before the home stretch. If, if I'm not mistaken, right, right before right. you get to the last that happens thing. right before you get to the fireflies in St. Mary's hospital. Yep. Right. Yeah, they trick um, you because you think it's going to be coasting from here, and then it gets messed up and dark. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, for for me, I think that's a, a standout. And my my favorite though is honestly, it's probably it's probably the ending. I know that like, I don't know if that's like a cop out or anything because like the ending's like the most <laughs> amazing not. thing. Whack. Just that blue. <laughs> yeah, you're whack. <laughs> that <laughs> melted. It just melted my brain. Like that whole ending sequence, basically, like um, you know, when they, uh, basically, from like when you see them driving in the car until like mm-hmm. the end, like right to the credits, like that. That to me was just like, holy moly! <laughs> How about you, Rob? What you got? I really like the ending. No, I'm just joking. A little backstory. Brett and I are very old friends, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it wasn't obvious, um, no. Let's see. Hmm. Oh, well, the opening was already uh, was already spoken about, which is a big one because at the time I only had my one daughter at the time, so you you, you feel that one when you have a kid. That's that that's that's a, uh, a pretty powerful one when Sarah um, you know gets hurt. Uh, cause you instantly put yourself in that position because you can't help it. You just go, man, how would I feel? And then the minute you're before you're done asking the question, you feel your heart go, why are you going this way? And then you go, my bad, I'll stop thinking about that. Um, so that was a tough one. Um, so definitely, yeah, definitely the opening, but I thought one that was interesting, um, just cause I don't know, maybe it was unexpected. I don't know. But, um, I, I thought it was really interesting when, uh, Henry, the, the, the two brothers, when Henry kills his brother Sam after oh, he attacks yeah. Ellie. Um, because you see that Joel is, you know, consoling Ellie and Henry's in the background, like, trying to come to grips with what just happened to the point that he can't come to grips with it and just offs himself. And I was just like, it just happened like it was just happened so quick that I was like, whoa, because, you know, like when you're watching a movie and, you know, there's that kind of, you know, emo- you know, when, when that kind of moment happens in a movie, it tends to be slow where the person holds the gun to their head for a little while. And then they kind of like, you know, have conversation while they're holding the gun to their head, trying to figure out what they're going to do. While in this game, it was just kind of like he just pulls it. He just pulls up and just offs himself. So it didn't even give you a chance to think 
oh god no don't do that you just go oh no oh shit well it just happened and i had and i could do nothing i was powerless in what just happened um so i thought that was a very interesting moment that and i took a extreme extreme um enjoyment in eradicating every firefly doctor at the end <laughs> i enjoyed that entirely okay. too much yeah. <laughs> even the, the, i think there's like what three doctors that are in there when you walk in like besides yeah. everybody that you come across and yeah. you know you don't necessarily need to kill like those last two guys and i didn't care i took them all out I didn't even care. I was like, sorry, you guys, not my baby, not my Ellie. Come on, Ellie, we're getting out of here. <laughs> so, yeah. the, the dad in me definitely kicked in in, the, in that part, that's for sure. You went full dad mode. Oh, yeah, totally. Full <laughs> shotgun and everything. I was just like, oh, boy. <laughs> so, so, for me, I, I was going to mention two. Rob, you mentioned one. Definitely that... That last part of that, I call it the Henry arc, where mm-hmm. where Sam literally sadly gets bitten and is turned, and Henry has to kill his brother, and and it's and it's shocking because you you got to imagine that throughout that whole sequence of events, Joel, at that point of the story, they hated each other or didn't trust each other, but now they built trust. Now they actually sat down on their training stories over dinner the night before. So they've identified with each other. And Joel, I, I know for a fact, in my imaginary brain, I don't have a brain. Um, Joel <laughs> and Henry see themselves as equals, as protectors of Ellie and Sam. And there is no way that Joel did not think that is us. And if something happens to her, who's to say I won't do that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then you're thinking about yourself, like, it can go either two ways. Because to think of it, Ellie got bitten. It just happens to the bee that she's immune. So if it went a different direction and she got bitten and she turned, what would be the result? And it's like a way of the, of the author, te- of the director telling us, hey, this story could have gone in many different ways. And a lot of times you can't predict what a person's going to do when tragedy strikes, which is what this game does over and over again. They play, they play around with that idea that you don't know how someone's going to react when things go really bad. And, and that's where it breaks down the humanity of the, of the thing. So, yeah, I have to agree with you, Rob. That's one of my favorite scenes. Now, mm-hmm. my favorite scene, and I was actually thinking about it while we were recording, because I was originally, I think I was going to mention that one, but then I remember this one. And it's and to me, it's the strongest scene in the in the game for me, because it's it's really where Joel realizes, and chooses to accept how much he cares for Ellie, and it's the scene where Ellie runs away. To the house, right? Mm. And, and Tommy and Joel have to run towards her to to find mm. her, and then they have this in, this dialogue where literally, Ellie says. Joel tells Ellie, you have no idea what loss is. And Ellie says, everybody that I've trusted and loved, it's either run away or dead. Everybody has left, anyone except you. And at that moment, you're like, okay. <laughs> and, right. at the, and at the end, he chooses to, 
to stay the course with Ellie as opposed to leaving her there. Mm -hmm. Like he allows himself to accept the fact that he has gone in front of her, that he does see her as a daughter figure, even though it's really like a mentor more relationship. So that's where that relationship crystallizes. What gets to a head in the next chapter, which is when they escape the university, Joel gets hurt. And now Ellie's on the drive on the driver's seat, taking care of Joel. Like, they, you, you see the different facets of this relationship um, become stronger, and that bond, and as that grow, as that bond grows between them, your bond as a player grows with them. And I don't know, I don't know. It's just, which makes the tragis, the tragedy of the ending, so much more crazy. <laughs> right, right. Because don't you find it interesting that at the very end, right, you are forced to make the the horrible decision of and sacrificing the world to save your quote-unquote foster daughter because one life shouldn't be enough to save humanity now when you guys when you guys found out that this is where this game was going because yes we're thinking we can we can definitely make the argument that oh but there's the first immune person they found maybe there are more or no what if they kill her and nothing happens? You know, you, you think of all these things, but at the end of the day, humanity, quote unquote, had a shot at a cure to this deadly fungal disease. And you said, eh, not worth it. Her life means more. Yeah. I mean, it is an ethics question, but it makes you question, is the greater good more important than your immediate good and stuff like that? Um, Brett already told us of the nightmares and... And 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 <laughs> nights with with the bourbon, <laughs> yeah. trying to survive handling the tough questions. But when you waking up really... in cold sweats, knowing yeah. that humanity yeah. is over because of you. Good job, yeah. Brett. <laughs> and and I am aware that this is not the only game that makes you make the, these crazy choices. Like I know, like one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest um surprises in gaming is like specs up the line when you find out that you're the one that's causing the Dude, war that like if there's one that makes me want to drink it's that one and i hate that you just brought it back up because now i'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry it's i'm sorry well did you know that um our friend brett sells liquor <laughs> yes <laughs> telling you man that the, the reveal to that game drove me to drink i was just like i felt like such a garbage person i was like i'm a terrible human being i don't know why i did this no and i hate the game made me do this the game made me do it. i didn't do it the game made me do it well that's like that's like a you know one of the things that this this game does that's so amazing i mean and, and you know I, i'll tie this you know we'll, we'll get back into the ethics i think in a way it's kind of like related but the game makes you question your player agency and your control over the situations in the game and like every decision you made by the end of that. Like it's basically like at the end, like Joel is the villain. He chooses to be selfish and not get hurt again, you know, instead of sacrificing one for the many. And they, they at the, you know, throughout the game, you're just going around, you're shooting people, you're killing people. And it's like, we just do that because, oh, though I'm the good guy, obviously. I, I'm, play, I'm the main character, so I'm the good guy, and everyone else is the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go through and you just think, okay, I'm just, I'm playing the game. But at the end, it, 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 it was like, 
like you have to like rethink everything. It's like, did I did I really need to kill all those people? Like, you know, I just shot them because like that's like what you expect in a game, but like maybe I didn't have to. Maybe like, and then at the end you have to just kill a bunch of doctors in cold blood, you know, and you you take away Ellie's choice and her agency as well. It's like it's a very like really horrible thing but it's it's amazing that the game does it to the character and then also does it to you as the player and that's what Mm -hmm. melted my brain by the end of it i was like i I was like i was i was complicit in that and that act and like i just did it because i thought that's what i was supposed to do and it's like i'm I'm horrible i'm i'm an evil person you can totally understand you can totally understand sorry you can totally understand why um, Joel would want to save Ellie at the end, though. It's because he has already right. lost his daughter, and he cannot lose a, like another daughter. Yeah, I mean, like, and and I you, you get that, and the game. And that's again another kudos to the game. Like the story does that part so well too that you you do really get that. But then you also have to look at like, yeah, like, but you might have possibly <laughs> screwed the world. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's interesting how that kind of plays into The Last of Us Part 2. Because if this was a one-off game, you can kind of live with the questions of, well, maybe there was other people that they could have gotten a cure from, or yada, yada, yada. But now seeing the world of The Last of Us Part 2, and seeing that it looks like it's gotten worse and more violent, and Ellie still has to scrape by every single day, right? it makes you rethink, like, yep, we made the wrong choice there, didn't we? <laughs> Right. But, but then again, it also it also has to do with the idea of, and you see this in every quote unquote post apocalyptic setting, is that it's all about studying humanity when all comforts are taken away, when it's all about survival, because you could say, for example, if you're looking at this as Uncharted, you're Nathan Drake, you're the hero. You're trying to save the world from this crazy people that are trying to steal this artifact because you're Indiana Jones, right? So you're trying to save these people, but in The Last of Us, you you got to kill these guys because they're going to shoot you at sight. You They're going to kill you just because they want your stuff. They're going to kill you because you're not one of them. It, it, it becomes more of, of not necessarily of being good or bad, but more of this is the way the world is now. Everybody just behaves as with their basic needs in mind. And if you're not there to fulfill it, get out of the way or die. And, and, And you see that a lot in all these different worlds. And the last of us, it makes the decision that Joel makes even more crazy because yes, you want to save her, but you're still allowing her to live in this world that is staring itself to shreds. Yeah. So, so which is why I find it interesting, like Mike was saying, that as we transition into part two, it's it's how this world that Joel denied saving is what's coming back to destroy what he tried to save. Yeah. And and something to what you said, Mike, that I don't agree with. I don't think they're scraping by because remember. Joel and Ellie live in Jackson, which is this safe zone that is legitimately safe. 
They just yeah. go out for supplies from time to time, a la Walking Dead. But they live in this place that's safe where people are going to schools, people watch movies, people have dance parties, like we saw in the N3 showcase. Like, they're living a peaceful life. Everything else is all messed up. And you have these rival factions, this military movements happening in Seattle and everything that takes place in the game. But it's all about that because they live in this world, um, she's still in the world itself doesn't have a chance to recover. But then again, it makes you think about, let me throw the idea out there. Yes, Joel sacrificed the world, but is a wor- can a world like this be saved? Because of how bad it has gotten. Mm-hmm. Look at it this way. You, it's been 20 years since the world, and as of The Last of Us Part 1, I think they're going to, you imagine they start putting Part 1 on the label? Um, as of Last mm-hmm. of Us Part 1, it's been 20 years. That's where the game starts. 20 years since the pandemic. Fireflies are considered a discredited militia that is always saying to fight with a cure, go against the government, blah, blah, blah. Who's going to believe that there is a cure, even if they discover it? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. Because because right at this moment, the state of mind of the world is, I don't have time to listen if you have a cure or not. I have to be worried about you're going to try and kill me or not. So, so in a way, even though we can't necessarily agree with Joel's actions... I'm not saying that Joel had I don't I'm not saying he did or did not have the philosophical ideas that we're having. <laughs> but like he, he actually sat down and read Nisha Nisha. No. Um so but is the whole thing about when a, when the world breaks down in that matter, is there is there salvation for it? Or do you try to have the best life you can? Which probably what Joel was thinking. Because as long as he was having a life a good life with Ellie, everything should be fine. But because the, I think, which is part of the struggle, like when you see the scenes, like whoever's seen a trailer or a picture or a still of Joel, he, yes, he looks older because this game only takes, I think part two only takes place six years after part one. Is it five? Five maybe? Is it five or six? Because I know Ellie's 19. Oh, so yeah, it's five. she was yeah. 13. In the, oh, wasn't she 13 in the last she was part 14. one? She was 14. 14. Okay, so yes, yeah, so that works out. Yeah. Yeah, so five years. So, but but you see Joel, his age is starting to show, but more than anything, he's like this broken down man. Because um, have you guys do you guys know the base premise of the game? I've been in trying to go st- in uh, knowing in ter- as few details as possible. Okay. Personally. Well, <laughs> it, in regards to why Ellie is doing what she's doing in the game. Do you guys know why? Oh, there seems to be a catalyst. Yes, that has been shown in like one okay. of the trailers. Yes. Do you guys know the catalyst? You don't want to know. Okay, so there's there's something that happens with Ellie that disrupts her happiness, and she literally sets out to draw blood. So this literally is a game about vengeance. Well, that, that's, is that is that 100 confirmed, or that's just we're assuming that? Well, based that's on what we've that's been what shown. we're that's what we yeah. have seen based on the footage that we've seen in the clip, not the clip, but in the trailers. Right. Yeah. Like when you see the story trailer, it literally seems like that because all the talk in it from Ellie is, are we going to let him get away with this? And it's right. her leave, leaving the safety of Jackson to not let them get away with this. Right. Whatever that is. And I think, I think the most graphic one is 
the 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 commercial that I share with you guys, um, because as she's singing the song, you see the little features stuff like that, and it's like her against this world. That's crazy, and Joel is broken because he knows that this kind of world, if you're trying to go against it, you may not win. Also, I think you just, I mean, listen, Joel, uh, you know, like when we pick up from Last of Us Part One, he he's uh, done some shit. Like, yes. think about all the think about all the killing that you do as him over the course yep. of the game, and then also consider that he also was doing that for twenty years prior, smuggling, probably like almost dying a million times. Like, so that guy, he, he I think he doesn't want that life for Ellie, and maybe mm-hmm. he feels guilty that he let her, you know, stay alive. Like you were saying, maybe and that, and that she now has to experience this horrible world, and now she's like just down this horrible path of of endless violence. The cyclical violence is cyclical. Yeah. Uh, and revenge is poison, you know. Yep. And one of the most crazy statements that Joel makes. Do you guys remember in the I call it the Hunter's Arc, is when you go to that city that's filled with these people that kill travelers, right? So um, when he's driving, he recognizes. This guy's not hurt. What do you mean? And he runs the guy over. And then after the first bout that you have with the enemies, uh, and let's not call them enemies, with the people, um, <laughs> Ellie asks, how did you know he wasn't hurt? And it was like, because I've been that guy. Right. And Joel says, like, I've been that guy. Like, I've stole from people to survive, which is the reason why Tommy left Joel in the first place, why Tommy left him alone, because he couldn't live that life where you would live destroying other people yeah joel joel sounds like joel like got like a little, a little crazy with it maybe he got yep. a little a little blood yep. hungry <laughs> yep and finally with ellie he finds a reason to kind of step back from all that but then sees that be that he allowed ellie to flourish into this person and pretty much whatever hell ellie is raising is it's literally the nurture that joel has given ellie yeah like, this is what you've brought to the world. This is what you saved for the world, which is, is pretty daunting. Um, when you guys first heard that this game was coming out, because everybody that knows The Last of Us, I think we can agree that there was a consensus that nobody wanted a sequel. Yeah, that's like, how I felt. I was like, I don't yeah, need a like, sequel. It's it's perfect. It's just exactly. done I mean, you know, just like random detour right here quick, but if any of you guys watched Watchmen on HBO that just came out and like yeah. knowing that that, uh, that supposedly at this point is, is just a one-off, like it was yes. awesome. Like knowing that there's mm-hmm. nothing else, like that's the contained story. And uh, yeah, when I when I first heard they were doing the sequel, I, I kind of was like, oh no, like, but at the same time, I loved those characters so much that I do want to mm-hmm. see more of them. And, exactly. you know, and I also like, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I'm assuming the game has to address the ending of the first game. Like, they, you know, I mean, it's it's clear. I don't know. I don't know. It's it maybe open for interpretation. But how did you guys feel about the end of the first game? Um, do, do you feel that Ellie did know Joel was lying and was just taking it? Or did you think that she believed him? I think she knew he was lying. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I feel too. You but, can um, kind of read it on, you can mm-hmm. kind of see it on her face, and the way she just, says "okay" is like, yeah, it just sounds like, a, oh, all right, I'm just gonna go along with that, I guess. But like, yeah. that was her also like accepting that she's being lied to by like another adult, like, so it's almost like she loses him in that way. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I, I don't know. I kind, I, I don't know. I kind of took it as like, 
Yeah, I, like I do agree that I feel that she knew, but at the same time, it's better to embrace the lie. Right. She's just gonna go with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, but not in the sense that she feels like he's being purposely deceptive. You know what I'm saying? Like Correct. she like she knows why he's creating the lie and she's okay with that. That's exactly so, I agree with you, Rob. It's like it's like she was trusting his intentions. Like right, she could like, she could see yeah. why he's lying. And exactly. she was okay, I see why you're doing it. I'm gonna go with you. It's kind of it's kind of like her growing up herself. Because again, she's only right. what, 14? Mm-hmm. I mean, Things look a little a, shaky a, with them, though, in some of the <laughs> stuff they've showed. You know, like uh, I, I've seen very little of the stuff. Like the, the I haven't watched like any of like the really new trailers. Um, but you know, some of the stuff that you've seen with Joel, it does seem like they may be a little on the outs. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, well, somehow. yeah, but I don't know if I would blame it on that because you know, at the same time, we are right. talking about a fourteen-year-old girl, and now we're seeing her as a nineteen-year-old woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and five know, years of stuff that we like, don't know what happened. Like for five years right. for Joel is not compared to the same five years that she's experienced. Right. Because five, exactly. five, five years for her at 14 to 19 is monumental compared to his 30 something to 30 something. You know, mm-hmm. like to him, that's those are those are blips on blips on the map. But she's gone right. through milestones in those five years. So I think she herself maybe has come to her own and. And and maybe while at the end of Last of Us she was okay with the lie, now at nineteen she's created her own set of morals and now is not necessarily okay with the lie. No, right. right? Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you guys a question, right quick. Speaking of Ellie and that decision, if they gave her a choice, because remember she has basically no say in any of this, do you think she would have gone through with it? I mean. I think there's a point where she makes a pretty big point in the game that like that is what she wants. Like that was her intention. Um, I know it's like I wonder if like when she walked in the room though, right? If she was awake, would she be like, okay, I want to back out now? But like yeah. she, she makes a, a pretty <laughs> big statement that that's what she wanted, and that's why it is so poignant when Joel just basically says like, well, fuck your decision. I'm selfish, and I'm taking that away from you. I'm doing what I want. Uh, but I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, you never know like, what someone's going to do right at the moment, you know? Right, because um, Joel goes into that. He, I mean, he takes her all the way to the hospital. But once he finds out that it's going to result in her death, that's when he goes crazy. And it's like, if yeah. she knew ahead of time that she wasn't going to make it out of there, would she have still committed to it? Yeah. Mm, because you she... can't say that she knew. No, there's no evidence that shows that she knew that finding out whether or not her the cure was behind her brain, um, was inside her brain, she didn't know what cost her her life because that is one of those things. You think that her, she thinks she was going to, to a doctor to get a checkup and to see what she could contribute to a cure. She didn't know she was sacrificing herself for the world. Right. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. If so so, so that change that. that does change the game, which is one of those things. Sure. She was just the pawn between the views of two adults. Which is why it makes it so interesting how she's front and center in part two. And it's all about her decisions, her choices, her agency. And like you said, I think I think you and Red, you and Rob were kind of teasing this. Like we don't know if they're in the outs because of the lie. But right. you but you have to agree, you have to think that at some point Joel having going to those lengths to protect her. He's going to still try to do the same thing. And it's possibly Ellie letting him know, you, you can't try and protect me all the time anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm not, 
I'm not the same little girl that you smuggled five years ago. Like, you either going to let me do what I need to do and go home or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm an adult. I'm not a part of this system. <laughs> While we're on the topic of Ellie, I was going to ask, did any of you guys play the uh, Left Behind DLC? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I actually didn't. Uh, I did not. Yeah, it was basically a prequel uh, with Ellie and her friend uh, Riley. Yeah, I know, like, the whole, like, just, uh, I know, like, I uh, behind it, but I never played yeah. it just because The Last of Us was just, like, such, like, emotionally draining. Like, mm-hmm. I've been even, like, mm-hmm. I've been, like, saying to my fiance, I'm, like, Last of Us 2 comes out next week. I'm, like, I don't know if I'm, like, ready. Like, because yeah. I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be, like, probably, like, depressed in real life for, like, the entire <laughs> length of me playing the game. Because, like, remember, it was just, like, it was so heavy, man. And this this one looks even more harrowing and heavy and, like, like you know, like, yeah. the upgrades they've made and, like, the realism they've added to, like, like the, viscer- yeah. the visceralness of the combat. You know what I mean? is like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it is. It's draining, man. Like you, like when you play that for like a bunch of hours, man. It like affects you. It does. <laughs> you, when you play that game, it's it's funny because we brought up Uncharted a few times. Like you can just mow down armies in Uncharted as Nathan. Oh, Drake. he's a mass murderer, and he's like just smiling and grinning through the whole thing. And we're like, right. cool with it. Yeah, he's he's getting treasure. He needs to kill these people. It's okay. <laughs> he needs that treasure. Damn these Nazis, no. <laughs> right. And then you get into The Last of Us, and you have like ten bullets. And need to make sure you take out eleven clickers. Yes, yeah, I got ten bullets and yep. I gotta kill eleven of these dudes. <laughs> and yep. so it's, you gotta strategize how you because some we all play the game differently. Like I'm sure I oh. made it through some segments without having to kill anyone, whereas John, for instance, probably had to take out three or four guys. And how so did you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like you said, it's just draining because you really feel like you're in that situation. Whereas some games, as much as I love Uncharted, if you die and start over, okay, you have 200 bullets, 50 guys, you can make that work. Yeah. This game, you have to scrape for everything. Oh, I'm holding yeah, on. But it becomes more of a, but what gun do I want to use? That's the tough. <laughs> there you Those go. are the tough moments, man. Right, right. <laughs> no, no. And not only that, it's like when you're playing it, you're like, okay. And it's funny because you become this. It's one of these games that, to a degree, makes you become an expert on its mechanics. Because not all games do that. Some games will tell you, hey, you can do all this. And you're like, okay, I never used it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I never used this or this mechanic. This particular game makes you use all the mechanics. And I love how when I was far advanced at the game, okay, I got the shotgun. Okay, so I'm going to make sure I got this loaded. I'm going to put this in my second holster. Let me make two Molotov cocktails. I have enough healing. Okay, cool. I'm going to throw this bomb here and then walk around. You know what I mean? Like, you start thinking about all this thing. Like, my favorite sequence is, like, when you get to Seattle after the giraffes, you have to go through the subway to to the tunnels where the subways are, and you have a lot of infected in there. And going through that in different ways to clear them all and beat them all, and you have two bloaters and – it was so enter- it's crazy how you find it so entertaining because the combat system allows you to clear a stage in so many different ways mm-hmm. with so few resources. That's that's pretty remarkable. That's pretty yeah. remarkable. Um, which leads me to what I saw. I don't know. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys, saw the extended. Um, there was a state of play that they did. Um, I would say two to three weeks ago. 
where they did an extended playthrough of a section of the game, and they explain mm-hmm. a lot of the mechanics and a lot of things that they've improved. And I like how this game doesn't feel like I am dredging through familiar gameplay and story um, elements. It feels like they're evolving from what they did before. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a natural progression of everything that we've seen with the upgrade system has been evolved. How the how do you interact with the environments because you have a completely different character. Um, because so many games can just make it as similar as a lot of the worst sequels are the sequels that that feel the same as what came before, even though the story is different. This game is not that game. And I think Uncharted is one of those series that you see that a lot with every entry. There's so much more that you can do now. Yeah. And yeah. that's what you and that's what you want with every game. And I like how this game from the get-go, from the promotion, feels like it's gonna be a lot more intense because it's a more personal take, because you're it's Ellie and you know that she's going through this personal stress and everything she's going through. Um so it, it doesn't feel like I'm carrying my expectations from Last of Us One to here. It feels like a, it feels like it should like a separate chapter, something that I can enjoy separately from what came before, even though what came before informed it. Does that make sense? Right. So, which is what need what it needed to be, which is the only reason why we're accepting the sequel, because I know that if we saw those trailers and it felt like it was more of the same, it would have been like, eh, no. Well, they said they said like Neil Druckmann said like we listen we we wouldn't do it if we didn't think like we had a great idea and like we mm-hmm. knew we could do it justice, and uh, yeah so I'm I'm just hoping it is but like I'm I'm keeping my expectations tempered for the story just because like I I don't know how you top the first one I don't think yeah, you yeah. do top it you have to just like you know do something different and that's like you know uh, poignant you know and and, mm-hmm. and uh, cathartic in some way i mean i don't know if they're going to plan to do a three after this or something like that i mean we don't know how this thing ends yet so yeah. um i mean you know and, and it looks like obviously like it would be silly for them to do a three and then like just all of a sudden change characters unless like everyone dies at the end or something <laughs> so it's like correct you might as well correct. like it would make sense this, yeah this thing should be you know like a pretty uh closed closed end story um i mean i don't know i'm 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 expecting i'm expecting the worst for like everybody i don't know (laughs) it's it's like i just i feel like is there gonna be any joy that comes out of this (laughs) i don't know yeah i i i also feel that i'm gonna i don't know if i'm ready for this either um but i'm gonna say something here kudos to playstation for doubling down on their female leads bro oh yeah like front and center and i like how ellie feels like such a real layered character and mm-hmm. and and the other characters that you see i mean we had an amazing lead with with aloy now yeah. we have now we have ellie in in a different point of her life um she ended ps3 and she's going to end the ps4 isn't that funny uh-huh. um, as the female lead in playstation um, I want to see. I, I want to see more. We need yeah, more. Ellie is so badass, man. She's cool. Yeah, she's such an I mean, awesome we got. I mean, overall, I, I, I mean, personally, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I like games whether they have male or female roles. But for me, a female protagonist, I feel, brings a different kind of emotion to the game. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, but I, I feel more connected when the lead is a female. I don't know why. 
Um, and I feel like it maybe it is because they usually tend to add some kind of emotional element to it, as opposed to a guy who sees kind of like, oh, I found a weapon. Let me go and like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Not now. for nothing. You know what I'm like, saying? You're right, Rob. Like, I feel like every guy is either like the really stoic guy that always just talks like monotone like this, and yeah, he's just always like stoic, totally... or he's like just like Duke Nukem basically, and he's just like, yeah, man, I just want to kill everybody. Yeah, so much. And like, they're like, just like Blasco is gung ho. Or yeah. he's either like just too cool for school, like super overly charismatic, you know, or he's like, man, I'm a troubled guy and I can't help doing what I got to do because right. that's why I'm here. It's like, <laughs> there's right, always tropes like that, here. but Naughty Dog avoids down, a lot though. of that, you know, yes. like, you know? but yeah, like, you know, Aloy, Aloy, she was an outcast who can't connect to something like that. She was an outcast. She tried to do whatever she could to be part of the tribe and try to be the best and show that she can do the same as everybody else just so that she can be recognized by the people that she's there with. And she just didn't understand, like, how can you – like, that's such a more human connection. Like, that's something we've all understood, that we've all felt to some capacity about something, you know. Or or um, uh, Jesse Faden in Control. Um, I thought she was a, a phenomenal character. I thought she was great. And her whole drive in the game had nothing to do with her. She just wanted to get her brother. She just right. wanted to know where he was at. She just wanted to know what they did to him. That was her entire drive for everything that happened to, to her in the game. Mind you, in the game, the game starts off with, by the way, you're the shit. Like, that's, they tell you that from the <laughs> You're the director of this crazy company. And she's like, I just walked in here. What are you right. talking about? Yeah, control, I just, control I'm is just great. trying to find my brother. You know? And that and that is, you know, the purpose of her character throughout the entire game. And then and and now we got, you know, we got um we got Ellie, who's now a younger female lead. You know, she is a teenager. Um, who we've, you know, to some capacity have felt through Life is Strange. Anybody who's played Life is Strange, those were young teenage characters going through your usual teenage tropes, but you felt it. You felt the confusion of being a teenager in these situations and these crazy supernatural things that are happening. So I just feel like when they have a female pro tag, developers really take care to humanize who they are and yeah. a really and, and take a really great magnifying lens on the on, on the emotional aspect of the character as opposed to are his pecs big enough are his legs long enough to wear these cool mechanical boots so he could jump further it's like they don't care about the male protag because he's gonna sell anyway yeah they often make uh, yeah. They often make the the female characters so much more interesting and like so yeah, like layered, dynamic. like you said. It's, yeah, and you know what? So but you dynamic. know what's funny? And, and you say and and I don't know why, but and and I don't mean to sound controversial or whatever, but it makes you think, like, it's it 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 may be that they give extra care because they some some developers or some companies might have the misconceived notion, the misogynistic notion that be, if a female is the lead, the game's not going to sell as well. So they have to make her more interesting. No, yeah, I went, I'm sure that affects I would, stuff. I, I would agree to that to a capacity, but I think it's that we are now starting to see the change of what it's like to have more women in game development. 
Yes. And I and I think this is the exception. Like these, like the the different female leads that we've talked about, are the exception because they Correct. they've developed these characters to make them as real as possible, and Correct. they haven't they haven't done they haven't seen the character being a woman as a flaw, but something that they can use to their advantage for the storytelling, which is what yeah. you're supposed to do. You know, yeah. what I mean, use so, all the aspects of the character, even the idea that she is part of the LGBTQ community, that she, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. she's, you know, all those things, they don't feel out of play. They feel organic and they push the story right. forward, which is what you want in a good character, whether they're male or female. 100%. So, which so. I think was one thing that I feel like they kind of, and, and, uh, and we could get off the, off the topic in terms of other games, but this is where I kind of feel like they dropped the mark. Um, in uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where Ubisoft gave you the option to play as Cassandra or Alexios. Of course, I played as Cassandra. What I so didn't, did I. <laughs> what I didn't like, is that further into the game, you come across a point where you end up marrying a character, but you're forced to marry the opposite sex. And I didn't like that. I had no control in who I wanted to marry. I actually really didn't like that. And I felt like had they given you more control in that respect, I Mm -hmm. think it would have driven the game better. Um, Because the minute that happened, it was such a jarring, obvious lack of control, considering how much control I had over the game, that losing that bit of control sucked me out of the experience. I remember there was some discourse about that on the internet. Absolutely. And then I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they did an update and they might've changed something so that like, it's like, you don't have to marry the person at the end. I think if right. Not, yeah. They did some now kind of edit. The yeah. of not marrying them as opposed to being forced to marry them. Yeah. Um, but then again, but is that, still, is that really a solution? Wouldn't the solution exactly, be, it doesn't answer be, the problem. That's right. a bandaid. But it's not a right. solution. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So I thought that was interesting because they really could have ga- gained a lot of points had they just added, you know, a couple more options in terms of being able to give you the choice as opposed to just being like, well, of course a woman's gonna marry a guy. It's ancient Greece. It's like, sorry, people in ancient Greece were is they were <laughs> they straight were fluid. Yeah. Yo, gender fluid as hell. They were like, that dude looked good. I'm a smash. That chick looked good. I'm a smash. They did not. Care. <laughs> Who's that one guy in the game? That that one idiot that like Smash he, Brothers he everybody. Yeah, it was great. I was like, that's that's the ancient Greece that I learned about. I don't know what Ubisoft is talking about. Maybe they're just being pretentious French people. But all right, whatever. <laughs> Listen, I played as Cassandra and I smashed everyone, regardless. Oh, everybody. If, everybody got smashed. If, if, if you know, if sleeping with them was a choice, I was getting it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Spoken oh like true men. Um, Cassandra is a playgirl, yo. She was a hustler. <laughs> she was about that. Okay. Are we still talking about being strong female leads? No. Yes. <laughs> Damn right. Damn. Now, okay, so this is the moment that we're all dreading. Predictions. Uh, uh, yeah, I know, I know. But we, we got to do it. We, we can't just... Bring about all the good stuff that we loved about The Last of Us. Can't yeah. talk about how excited we are with The Last of Us Part 2. And, right. and, and not talk about what we think is going to happen with these characters that we know and love. Um, we know there's going to be a lot of new characters. There's going to be a lot of new threats. 
Um, we talked about how the gameplay has evolved from the first one. But story-wise, mm. we know this is Ellie, front and center. She is going to be the person that we're going to be following through and fro in this game. Now, I know some people have probably seen the leaks and know whatever whatever they've seen of. Neil Druckmann stated and put out a statement that you may hear this or that, but it's not going to compare to playing the game, which I believe. Um, but I do have some ideas or predictions or where this game was going worst or where Ellie and Joel's story ends in this game. And I want to hear what you guys think. Do you guys have an idea, a prediction, a notion? I only have one prediction, and that's that her love interest is going to end up getting. She's going to end up biting it. Okay. I don't know how, but you think you think that's do you think that's the catalyst to Ellie's arc? I don't think that's the catalyst, but I think that might be just something in addition to. Because if you notice something in The Last of Us, I feel like they have issues that compound on top of other issues. It's not just yes. the one thing. It's like there's the one thing. And then this happens, and then this happens, and then that happens, and it's everything like they fuels get... the one goal. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. it, like, they get layered with just a giant shit mountain, and I feel like that will definitely be a piece <laughs> of it. Just because, like, you know, if we're going by story, yeah, you can you can put a registered trademark on that shit mountain. Shit mountain. Shit mountain. That, was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually perfect. My shit mountain. So I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that'll be a part of it. I just, uh, I would like to be wrong, you know, because I feel like that's an obvious way to go, but I don't know. Sometimes obvious is not bad. That's true. Yeah. As long as it's depending how they execute it. Exactly. Which I think to, I think that Naughty Dog has, we can give them the credit that they deserve an opportunity to try stuff. So what you got, Mike? Um, as far as predictions, I don't have many. Uh, I would say we play as someone else besides Joel and Ellie in this game. Mm. I would say since it is a five-year time jump, like how we would occasionally bounce between Joel and Ellie, you might bounce between Ellie and maybe her love interest or another character that's with her on that journey that we just haven't seen yet. Okay. Red. Um... uh predictions i mean i i definitely think like some someone's gonna probably bite it right joel or ellie i think by I the think end joel of this game will. yeah and like yeah i don't i don't know how it's gonna happen really or i can't i can't imagine but i feel like yeah like something's gotta go down there or or maybe someone just takes like a really a really dark turn <laughs> i don't know but like there's like a big uh betrayal or something like that but okay. uh yeah honestly i really i don't i don't know what's gonna happen in this game i'm so i'm so nervous i'm so nervous <laughs> john what you got yeah it's got a lot to live up to for sure but yeah. uh yeah i was gonna say my prediction is i have a feeling joel will make it out of the game alive um i don't know how uh-huh. he will bite it but um, I just feel like he's he's gonna either like sacrifice himself or something like that um, at some moment in the game. Um, and yeah, I think it will you know explore kind of uh, how Ellie is tra- um, transitioning you know as you know becoming like a young adult 
um, and how she's kind of dealing with growing up, um, you know, in a world where she can't experience what most people, you know, her age usually would, um, how she's dealing with that um, in the post-apocalypse. And, um, and obviously, I think they will tackle just kind of how she is dealing with the repercussions at the end of the, the first one. So, as you guys know, I like to complicate things. That's, oh, that's boy. Just, that's just what I do. Buckle up, boys. So Brandon's he, about to pull out a thesis, guys. <laughs> yes, it's going to happen. It, it's going to happen. It's what I do. Um, there's my flashpoint. Um, it's my show, damn it. <laughs> you will sit and you will listen. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys have a chance to listen to the song? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the song's name is True Faith. And it literally talks about this blinded believer that is willing to sacrifice anything and everything for what she believes. So because of that song, the way it's played, the, the, the things I've seen in the, in the little trailers that I've seen, I think Ellie bites it. Okay. I think she's going to focus so much on her mission on what she wants to achieve, that she ends up sacrificing herself. And then the series is going to wrap with Joel having to live with the fact that even though he sacrificed the world, she still died. That would so be hard. It, so, I know. So, Ellie, but, so Ellie will bite it, but Joel will continue Joel will survive. Yeah, Joel will survive. Okay. Huh. Hmm. I That's think, a twist. I think. I think. It's a, well, it's a pretty cool twist considering that she is being spearheaded as the pro, as the main, you know, figurehead of the game. That will definitely be an interesting twist. Thinking yeah, that definitely. you start as you start technically, I don't want to count Sarah. You start as Joel and as Ellie, continue as Ellie and as Joel, and how it brings everything full circle as a player. And and just how you were left with Ellie accepting Joel's lie, you end with living with Joel's lie. And 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 how what he sown onto Ellie produces the chaos that either tears their world down or or tears her down. And there's nothing he can do about it. Because I would say I would say if she does die, I will be bawling like a little baby yeah <laughs> and, and you know what's funny i was um in that wire article neil Druckmann said something very interesting that i find it ballsy and he goes like i've had a lot of people play test the game and tell me that they hate it mm-hmm. and and the fact that he's getting a reaction out of the player that's enough for him which which makes me even wonder like what the hell are we going to getting ourselves into right <laughs> right you know the you know the fact that you're able to walk out of a game and hate it, but the fact that it made that it made you experience these things is just because you hate it doesn't mean it's not a win. I hope <laughs> I hope the whole game is just like Ellie going after the fireflies for revenge, and then when she gets finally to like the head honcho, it's it's Crash Bandicoot. 
<laughs> and, and then he's the he's been the mastermind. He's like you know what? He's been it's like a either... warlord, a warlord over the Pacific Northwest. It's, it's either... So you know that meme of Ron Swanson. You know that meme of Ron Swanson throwing out his computer. That's what I'm doing right now. That's <laughs> <what> I'm... <laughs> it's not gonna be Crash Bandicoot. It's gonna be Nathan. It's gonna be Nathan Drake. He's gonna be there. Gonna be sitting there waiting. Did, no, did they confirm be, that they're in the same universe, Nathan. or they never did that? No, it's gonna be Nathan in this yeah. couch playing Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> All comes full circle. There you go. I like that. It's, and Naughty Dog going like, "We are the troll of humanity." <laughs> <laughs> It'd be crazy if it was Nathan Drake playing The Last of Us Part Two at the end. Actually, <laughs> actually, that that would be really interesting to see because I don't remember Wait. if you got. I'm dating myself a little here, but in the Wayne's World movies. Yes. At the end, you remember how they had those multiple endings? I feel like a game should do that. <laughs> like, they should have, like, a whacked-out ending that makes you go, wait, what? And then it goes, okay, now for the real ending. And then you actually play through the real ending. <laughs> so so let me get this straight. So Mike Thomas is telling us that the ending is going to go Last of Us pulling out of space balls when they look into the video of the video of the video exactly. of the video. And then you're going exactly. Wings World? I, I think which, so. I don't know which one we're is better. With both the movie. very good ideas. <laughs> for going with the movie ending, I think that one would be fun. No, it zooms I, out I, and it's I just will, a TV show I will say that Mike's is Nathan Drake's watching. Is the last of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about that. Did you, what, what did you guys think? That's a great way to end this. What did you guys think when you heard that Neil Druckmann is working with the creator of Chernobyl with HBO <laughs> to do a Last of Us show? Bro, I'm so happy. I'm so happy they're going to do the – you know why? Because like people that aren't gamers are going to finally get to experience the story of the first game. They're adapting the story of the first game. So like – and it's HBO. You know they're going to do it right. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see casting. They're getting all the right people involved. Like I don't know how you – I don't know how you fuck this up to be honest. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then again, the guy from Lost didn't make Watchmen. So. Right. That's so, right. you know. It can go really bad, <laughs> but 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 yeah, it's one of. But let me ask you this: Will it affect the experience? The fact that you're not playing it, though. Um, I I think I mean if the writing. Listen, we know the story is good, mm-hmm. so if the writing holds up, I yeah. mean, you know, because I'm sure they're gonna like. Um, actually, there's a question I want to ask everybody too in a moment, but uh, I'm sure the right if the writing holds up, and I'm sure they'll add like some new parts and new dialogue and what and whatnot. Uh, I think it's a home run. I don't see how you. I don't see how this goes bad. I'm gonna choose to believe you, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that is asking a much more generalized question. That if you can make a true to form film or show that is based on a game i feel that it is next to impossible to get the same feel and reaction from the, from the two because in the show you're not you know and we spoke about this earlier in in the pod you're you're not in the show you don't feel like you're a part mm-hmm. of the show you're right, watching right. the show unfold you're watching it happen and you can feel through these characters and you can be attached to them but in a game and more so because of how well naughty dog has done their games 
you right. immediately feel part of the experience. So you actually are, have an emotional investment into the game because right. you feel like you are now a character in the game. Right. Um, right. Even if it's just an ethereal one that's just kind of, you know, watch watching as things unfold. So I feel like, like even if very... not, not to say that it's going to be bad. Like, I think it could actually be an absolute fantastic series if they really listen to, you know, uh, Naughty Dog and really take care to drive the points of the game. I feel like it can be a really, really great for somebody who didn't play the game. But I think it's going to be one of those things where we'll see the show and we'll be like, oh, but the game was better. You know, it's going to be that oh, the movie was great, but the book was better. It's going to be right. that kind of thing for right. us. I'm but just for excited. Don't for people... know The Last of Us. I think yeah. they're going to be like, wow, this was a video game. I think that would be cool because then it shows Agreed. How, how mature games actually are to people that have no frame of reference about video games. Right. You know? And the fact that they got uh, the Chernobyl guy behind it uh, gives me um, some a lot of optimism. I haven't mm. seen Chernobyl, but it's supposed to be like something freaking epic. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I've, I've heard nothing but great things. So, are, are you guys cool if they change some stuff, or do you want it to be exact one-to-one? I don't necessarily <laughs> want it to be exactly like the game because the game already is kind of a movie um, or a miniseries in it of itself. Um, so I wouldn't mind them changing a little bit so it kind of differs. It doesn't feel like I'm just wasting my time watching something that I played already um, or watched um, when I was playing it. But um, I uh, but you know, I hope they stay true to the story and don't change too much either. Yeah, I hope they keep the major beats and like some of just like the yeah. big moments. Like, like yeah. honestly, like I feel like I, I need to have that giraffe moment. Like the <laughs> ending better not be changed <laughs> at all. Right. Um, yeah. It, the I intro like the is legitimately level, perfect. Like the yeah, intro like all the, the high level beats and all the high level moments should be kept. But yeah. but how they get to those points, I feel like they could take creative license because there may be story storytelling. Uh, you know, storytelling uh, things that they can do in terms of writing it as a show. Because they're going to have to introduce other characters besides the ones that we know. Like, that that's just something right. every show does. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so uh, yeah, I think they could take some creative liberties just to, you know, spice it up for us. I, I, do, think the, I do think the pilot episode will uh, center entirely on that, uh, the first chapter of the game with... Uh, mm and everything well that's the thing if you're gonna do a show you don't start the game with the death of sarah that's a yeah. flashback that's yeah. something that happens when you're discovering joel i mean in my opinion mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. like you, you meet joel as you know you don't know who this guy is you don't know why he has an axe to grind or whatever and as you get him involved with ellie he has a flashback of his daughter dying and then you understand okay. because that's mm -hmm. to me, that's going to be the greatest challenge that they're going to have because all the emotional beats of the game are built for a gamer. Mm -hmm. They work because you're playing. They work because the control is in your hands because you're moving the characters. So it, it all has to do with them translating that 
to a simple visual format. And and the question and the question that I what what worries me not that worries me is is that because of the game it works as a story where you're comfortably following these two characters and everything else is peripheral and a show is a lot harder like if you don't have really strong leads it's going to be very hard to have a whole episode where it's them just Mm -hmm. venturing into this wilderness and encountering the infected and all that stuff you know what i mean yeah yeah i could just see the um like the first episode just being kind of establishing the um the father uh father daughter uh dynamic between um joel and his daughter sarah and then they hit you with the hit you with a like a freight train at the very end of it i could kind of see it they can yeah they can something like that yeah i don't know i think i I, i'm apprehensive i mean i'm excited that it's going to happen because i agree with you brett 100 it's the best the best that could happen to the show is happening Neil Druckmann's involved, Naughty Dog's involved. And I'm they happy it's a Chernobyl, series HBO. and not a movie. Exactly. Like, it has everything going for it. Like, bro, but, dude, you do the seasons. And how does the game – is the game summer, fall, winter, spring? Is that how right, it right, goes? Right, right, Like, yeah. just honestly, maybe honestly, maybe do, like, four episodes that are, like, an hour, hour and a half long each. Like, I'd like to do Sherlock on BBC. Yes. Which is, like yes. – it's, like, four movies yes. for a season. Or you yes. could do, like – you could probably do, like – Let's say like six to eight episodes. Let's say eight episodes. You do two episodes in each season, you know, mm-hmm. at like forty-five minutes each or something like that, or an hour right. each. And I think you can. I think you can uh, totally make that work. I, I love the way they break it up with the seasons, you know, yeah. and and uh, mm-hmm. advance some of the relationship building, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt this because this is this the first video game that's going to get its story directly adapted. Like we've had like video game movies and series, but I've I don't remember an actual story like The Last of Us being adapted. I think I think I know what you're saying. Like it's not an adaptation of ideas right. of the game. Like they're right. literally translating the story of the game. It, it's like mm-hmm. it's like yeah. an anime and a manga. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. you take the story directly, whereas you can make a say the Super Mario Brothers movie has nothing to do with Super Mario the video game or <laughs> Tomb Raider. It's not necessarily based on a story from one of the Tomb Raider games. It takes elements from different games. So I'm really interested to see how they decide to adapt the story of The Last of Us. And it's probably the best story for them to actually try something like that with. Yeah. I think I have the last question. Unless you guys have anything else to add? No, I'm okay. I think think we hit everything. So I think I have the last question. The question of all questions. Who's your Joel and who's your Ellie? Oh. I was oh, hoping you'd ask that. I, I needed to. I'm sorry. Honestly, Troy, Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. <laughs> nah, <laughs> but, Troy I mean, Baker's they don't look skinny. the part, obviously. But He's I mean, too tiny. No, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want them cast in, in the show. But I mean, like they, they are. Joel and Ellie, and they're the best. No, but did oh. I tell you... Uh, Brad, they're doing the show in CG. No, <laughs> oh, they're <gonna> CG. <laughs> um. So I guess I'll start off. Um, for Joel, I would go with uh, Dylan McDermott from American Horror Story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, for Ellie, I would have uh, Caitlin Dever Deaver from Booksmart. Oh, 
actually didn't see uh, either of those movies, so I'm not really that familiar with those people. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know her. I remember her from Last Man Standing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's actually a really good one. I like her. She's, she got a, she got a spunk, spunk to mm-hmm. her. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Is she too old? Because she would basically be playing Ellie's age now in part two, not 14-year-old Ellie, right? Um... Well, that's the thing. I mean, I feel like that's one of those one of those things that they kind of slide in term, in, you know, when they do when they do mm. shows. I mean, she's only twenty three in real life, so she could play teenager to a capacity. Right. Yeah. That's depends. True. Depends how they dress her. They could dress her in a certain way. I mean, you know, overall Ellie, the way Ellie was dressed, I mean, was pretty, you know, kind of thrown together as as should be in a post you know post apocalyptic uh, world. So they they. They could pass their they could pass her off. Mm-hmm. That where they could just, you know, tap Disney. You know, Disney has every child actor in the planet. So <laughs> in shame. Like, Yo, Disney, you got a couple of, you got a couple fourteen to nineteen year olds we could borrow? Thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna be the basic guy and I'm just gonna say Hugh Jackman, Daphne Keene, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> I it's love your movie, bro. Definitely... It's your series, dude. Pick it. <laughs> I would, I would definitely say Hugh Jackman. I just feel like that's too easy of a choice. <laughs> right, right. Okay, what you got, Brett? Um, <laughs> uh, you're gonna hate me. All right, I'm not John like, Ham. I'm John Ready Ham. I was gonna say John Ham. I'm not even like really serious about it, but also maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh and then Ali, honestly, for Ellie, I'm I have no idea. Like, I don't know of any like young girl actresses really, so I'm lost. <laughs> but John so Hammond. Zendaya, <laughs> yeah, Zendaya, yeah. When in doubt, go with Zendaya. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I hope you they kind of find Zendaya. like a yeah, nobody, okay. like a nobody yeah. for Ellie, like not yes. like a no name, mm-hmm. like find somebody that's like really fits the part, and then like. Joel, you might want to have Joel be someone that like is a, like an anchor or a star. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. So, I, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know um, who he is. I don't know. It's so tough. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> what you got, Robinator? Um, for Joel, I would pick Luke Evans. I think he got a great look. Oh, um, I think he he definitely has the acting chops uh, to pull it off. Um, yeah, I think I think he would be awesome as Joel. As for Ellie, I would give a shot to my homegirl, uh, fellow Latina. I'd give it up to Isabella Moner from the Dora movie. Oh, OK. That's a good pick. Yeah, she's 18. She's right right in the pocket. You know, she could definitely play 14, stay in the series long enough to be an older Ellie. Uh, she could grow with the series. Um, plus, she's she's good. She was in the trans. She was in the, one of the Transformers movies. I think. I think she she definitely shows that she has the acting chops. So I, I would absolutely give her a shot. I like it. Nice. Plus, why not? Let's get some. Let's get some minorities in there, yo. Yeah, why not? <laughs> give us a chance. We could do it too. <laughs> so I like the Daphne Keene for Ellie, and I like the one you just mentioned for Ellie too. Um, now for Joel, um, I don't know if it's because I just saw the movie, 
but I like the ruggedness that Clive Owen brings to a role. Mm. He has this rugged look that you know that he's been through shit. You know what I mean? And he's definitely a fantastic actor. He is. He is. Um, he is. He might be a little aged out because I know that Joel's probably 50 or 45 when we get to him. Um, yeah. But, Clive but Owen yeah. is he's in his 50s. I think he's like mid-50s right now. Right, right. So, but even then, I, I would even say that this is the kind of story that even I don't. It, it could work even if they. It doesn't have to be a Caucasian actor. It doesn't have to be an American. You know what I mean? Not at all. No. You know, it, it because we, because one of the things that they can do in the show to make it interesting or newer for especially the gamers is have it take place in Europe. We never saw Europe in the game, and this is supposed to be a worldwide phenomenon. You know, oh, so you're saying like just two like all totally different people, or you're just saying like well, keep no, no, it Joel like, and Ellie, but in do a Joel and Ellie, but do it in Europe, and that way you can probably have an African American actor play Joel, and you know what I mean, and and just change the location but tell the same story, so it literally feels fresh from different angles. Yeah, yeah, you know they could do that too. I think it just might be like super like the kind of like the locales it takes place in are like kind of like super iconic. I think people that is would get true. so angry. I mean, people listen. People get angry about anything. So, <laughs> right, 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 right. I think people people get angry when you said John Hamm. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to see. Like, do they just stick with the story of the first game? Do they write original content for the series, or do they just continue like a season two into the second game? I would like them to mm-hmm. do a limited series, just like Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. No yeah, time skip. I don't want to know what happens in between both games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's that's the way that one works. I think Watchmen proved that if you if you focus and work on what you want to say and focus on saying just that and you're okay with saying just that, it works perfectly. I think that's why that's the only reason why Watchmen worked. I heard this podcast. I, I listened to Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard all the time and Fat Man Beyond. But one of the episodes of what, he, what Mark Bernardin will call Black Man Beyond, he literally did like an hour and a half interview with Lindelof about Watchmen. And you learn a lot. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Awesome. So, guys, I think, I think we've done it. We, we, we've talked The Last of Us. We, we have talked about how much this game made us into who we are today, taking awful decisions against mankind. No, I'm kidding. Um, but thank you for joining me in the chat after. Thank you for joining me talking um, about this amazing game. Hopefully, I will have you guys back on so we can talk more movies and maybe more games that impact us and shake us to the core like this one. Um, have you guys pre-ordered it? I pre-ordered it last week. Have you guys me pre-ordered too. The Last of Us? I haven't yet. I'll probably just like buy it the day it comes out on like digital. And download it. <laughs> yeah, I, bought it. I have not because pre-ordered games scare me now. And I blame EA and Bioware. And Anthem, <laughs> to be specific. <laughs> so if, I, if we want to be specific, I blame Anthem specifically. So they've soured pre-orders for me. That's I haven't yet because I'm emotionally not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I can't commit, right? <laughs> I, 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 I pre-ordered mine with tears in my eyes because I wanted to get the collector's edition. 
but they've been sold out. Oh, with the statue? Forever. I think yeah, reviews man. are actually oh, dropping really? tonight sold at midnight. Out? Oh, stay away, stay away, stay away. Yeah. Everybody, lock up the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so before I head out, let's put some plugs in. Let's find this. Let's tell this good pe- the good people that hear this pod. Let us know where we can find you, Mike. Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at NoviceCinephile. I also have my own blog called NoviceCinephile.com. I usually write about musicals and video games and movies and stuff over there. Same with another website I write for, WabamEntertainment.com. And John and I have a movie podcast called Mike and John at the Movies. You guys can check us out on Spotify. Sweet. John, where can we find you, man? You guys can find me on Twitter at JohnMath95. Um, I watch all kinds of movies and I log them all the time on my Letterboxd account. Uh, you can find me there at Letterboxd backslash, uh, letterboxd.com backslash John uh, Matthews. Matthews is one T. Um, and yeah, I also write for wabamentertainment.com from time to time. Um, and I have my own website, johnmath95.com. And then, of course, I run, uh, I co-host alongside Mike uh, on our podcast, Mike and John at the Movies. Bredersen. Yes, um, I am at BT Miro on Twitter. I've uh, been a little MIA lately. I haven't been as active on Twitter as I used to be. Um, and I'm, I'm not currently on a, any regular podcasts, but uh, I don't know, thinking about uh, maybe bringing some things back. We'll see uh, if I have time. Uh, so for anyone who was a fan of like Revengers stuff or play, the Play It Loud cast, um, you know, maybe, maybe there will be something for you at some point. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. So I'm saying <laughs> there's a chance. Don't, don't do this to us. After the emotional struggle that I went through doing this podcast, Brett. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the VO Hustler. The person that needs no more introduction, Mr. 1,200 followers. Bro, that is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Dude, yeah, how can we find you, bro? Um, yeah, you can. I'm at uh, Rob with two Bs, Moreira. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Just put at Rob Moreira and you'll be able to find me. If you want, you could just Google Rob Moreira. Uh, again, that's Rob with two Bs. And you'll see most of my socials on there. That's probably the easiest way to find me. Or uh, if you're really bored, just watch TV. Um, the voice of Pushy the Push Pop. So if you've ever seen a Push Pop commercial, that's me. If you've ever seen Armani uh, do their Aqua de Joe commercials for their cologne, that's also me. If you're in Texas, if you uh, watch Laredo Taco Company commercials, that's me. And uh, stay tuned because I got some Burger King commercials coming up too. So I'm, I'm everywhere. Awesome. Nice. Sweet, sweet. Thank you guys again for joining me to talk movies, talk The Last of Us. Keep watching movies, guys. Have it awesome.